Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing a Ryan Johnson whodunit, Knives Out. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what is your favorite murder mystery? I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from Chicago, and as a hardcore Agatha Christie fan, I have to go with And Then There Were None. That is absolutely one of my favorite books of all time, let alone murder mysteries. I think that might have been one of the only Agatha Christie or like murder mystery books I've read. It's Uh, definitely her most famous. Yeah, and I remember loving it. It was a thrill. Um, I am Santa Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And mine has to be, now I've only seen the movie, I've not read the book, but um, I think I'm going to have to go with Gone Girl. Mm, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh. It's, it's uh, are, quite good. Are you interested in ever reading the book or the movie did it for you and you're, you're good? No, I am. And I own the book. Um, it's just, you know, I just have to make time. There's just a lot of things to make time for. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And it's hard to make time for a book when you have seen the movie. Yes. Definitely. And you know how it ends. Definitely. And, um, <laughs> even though I want to. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like an intentional thing of like, I'm not reading the book. No, no, no. So. It's just a matter of getting to it at some yep. point. You know, you totally know, understand. <laughs> I'm waiting for when I'm, you know, locked in a library, Beauty and the Beast style. And exactly. all I have time exactly. to do is read <laughs> movie adaptation books that have been made into movies. Yeah. Oh, um, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Um. I was totally unprepared for that question for some reason. (laughs) The question we ask every single week? I know. Even as you started saying it, I was like, huh, I wonder what she's asking. (laughs) Jeez. Um, This week I am feeling the new movie by writer-director Trey Edward Schultz, uh, Waves. Trey Edward Schultz directed um, a couple movies that I haven't seen but I've heard good things about, um, Krisha and It Comes at Night. Um, Waves is... Basically, he he grew up in Florida. Waves is kind of autobiographical for him, but it's just basically about a suburban family in, in Florida um, and their life surrounding kind of a big incident um, and just how the family kind of deals with it. It's I'm, I'm keeping it very vague because it's it's not a plot heavy movie. It's more emotional. And so there's not actually a lot to talk about, but there is a ton to spoil. Um, so I would definitely... It, go into this movie knowing as little as possible about it but it really is beautiful um the way he shoots it is very i think unique he does a lot of aspect ratio stuff um the it's very bright it feels very florida um to me it feels it felt a lot like a mix of um of moonlight and american honey Mm. um it's just a very like it's very visceral and really just about being a child. <laughs> and so there's so many points in this movie where you're just like, 
I remember what being that age was like. And it really kind of draws you into that, which I think for me specifically is difficult to do in a movie. Um, but I really appreciate it. Um, I think all the actors in it are fantastic. And I think it's, I, I hope it wins all of the ensemble awards possible. Um, just cause this group of actors together is phenomenal. This is a hard year for ensemble awards. Cause meaning that there's a lot of great ensemble mm-hmm. movies. I, I worry that Marriage Story is going to knock out every ensemble. Yes, for uh, sure. Award that is available. Um, but I'm really excited about Waves, Lucas. Uh, I've heard so much interesting buzz about it. I'm really glad to hear that this is something that you enjoyed. Um, it comes to my local theater this week, and it's on my list of, like, movies to watch over Thanksgiving. So, yeah. Good. I'm I'm for sure going to go see it this weekend. Yeah. I think there's just so much like emotional baggage that everybody brings to a movie like this about, you know, childhood and growing up and, you know, your teenage years and stuff like that. So I feel like everybody will have a different perspective on it, yeah. but it is so interesting to kind of go through that, uh, you know, for two hours and, and see what, see how everybody comes out of it. Yeah. But. Sean Fennessy at the ringer has been really singing the praises of this movie um, ever since he saw it. And so, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's fantastic. All right. Um, well, what I'm feeling this week is now remind me, I should have checked, but when we had Ben on just a few weeks ago, Ben Weaver, was he feeling the audiobook of Catch and Kill or did he just bring that up? No, he was feeling the audiobook of Catch and Kill. Okay. Well, I'm feeling the written book of Catch and Kill <laughs> by Ronan Farrow. Um, cool, cool. Very I, different things. So, so completely different. Um, <laughs> Even though we just recently talked about this, I had to bring this book up again because I don't remember. I don't think Ben had finished the book at the point when he had brought it up. Yeah. Um, I read this book so the twist ending. <laughs> no, there isn't. A, there isn't. A re- <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. There kind of is a twist ending. Yeah. Um, a twist that we're kind of like all spoiled for, essentially. Yeah. Um. I'd say we're still living through the twist ending. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we're getting twisted every day. Yeah. <laughs> um. I read this book so quickly because um, one thing that I don't know that people are fully discussing about this book is that it really does read just like a thriller. Like, uh, you you might think that reading a book about a journalist doing research on a story um, would not be, like, a humorous and thrilling read, but... Ronan Farrow has crafted his story in such a way. And the circumstances around this particular news story that he was researching and developing are so incredibly wild. Like, you think you know how wild this story (laughs) is because we've all, you know, heard all the allegations against Weinstein and how horrific they are. But you don't know the story behind the story. And it is so crazy. The entire time I was reading this book, I just kept thinking like, this would be an amazing movie. It would be a hard movie to make. I think because of all the figureheads in it, um, that you'd have to cast, but it would be an incredible movie. Um, I, I, the, there's so many things that Ronan Farrow had to endure and not, and that his sources had to endure that anyone who talked to him, um, that was like just about working on the story had to endure before that this piece actually got made. And what's what makes this book so crazy is that it feels like 
there is a boogeyman around every corner he turned. And not just Harvey Weinstein around every corner he turned. It felt like every person he would go to for advice or that was a colleague, it's revealed that they are they have a sinister motive. Um, and there's lots of different kinds of sinister motives. Um, and then one recurring sinister motive. And, <laughs> and it was fascinating to read. I highly recommend it to everyone, not just people that are like interested in entertainment or interested in journalism. I think it is a, like a must read. Um, I'm very excited about it. It's all I really want to talk about. I keep coming up to friends <laughs> and being like, okay, so I just finished Catch and Kill and you'll never believe what happened to Ronan Farrow. Like it's <laughs> wild. <laughs> Yeah, I have been very excited to read this book, but I've been putting it off just because I'm like, can I emotionally handle this book right now? I think so you can. Tell me, is it is it something that at the end you're just going to be so devastated and like disgusted with the United States that it's just like I don't know? <laughs> well, I mean, I can't promise you that because <laughs> I, I can't tell you about how you'll feel about the United States or men or our systems. Um, I will say. One thing to be aware of going into this book is that, you know, all the stories from the sources that he had published in his mm -hmm. pieces are in this book in detail. And in often, I would say, probably more emotional and um, they paint a fuller picture than they probably do in the reporting. Because yeah. when you're reporting a story, especially at the very beginning, you kind of had, he kind of had to be only factual, presenting yeah. just the reported facts. Um, whereas with this, he could kind of get into more of the nuance of this woman telling her story and mm -hmm. where she came from and, and how she was telling it and the emotions that she was having while she was telling it. And, um, and he, from what I can tell, tells the exact tells the stories of every single one of his sources that was a survivor of Harvey Weinstein. So it does, he doesn't like gloss over some of them, you know what I mean? Or like, mm -hmm. you know, you've heard the main one. So then, and then I also heard from so-and-so and so-and-so no, like every woman's story gets written out from at least yeah. again, from what I can tell. Um, so I will say that like, if sexual assault is something that is triggering for you to read in detail, then this book would probably not be for you because that happens throughout the entire book. I will say that the book is well paced. It's not like there is a sexual assault chapter that you have to get through, you know? It's, yeah. Um, I think the book, you know, it vacillates between um, his perspective as a reporter, um, the stories of women, and it's from his perspective again, from them telling him his sto their stories, um, as well as like a surprise perspective that I don't want to spoil for you, but every now and then the book changes perspective to a different character that I think is so such an interesting and, you know, I hate using this word about a book about such a serious nature, but an entertaining way to tell this story. Mm -hmm. uh, um Jody Cantor is the reporter that wrote that broke the story for the New York Times. She and Megan Toohey um, broke the story for the New York Times, whereas Ronan, um, his story came out very soon after in the New Yorker. And she and Megan Toohey have a book. Let me see what it's called. Um, I think it's called She Said, Breaking the Sexual Harassment Story That Helped Ignite a Movement. 
Um, they have a book about their reporting on this story and their experiences around it. And I've heard it's very good. And so now that is going to be like one of my next reads is now that I've read Ronan Farrow's book, I want to read theirs. And their book, she said, has already been optioned for a movie. Um, I'm really interested in the next few years, um, what comes of both Ronan Farrow's story and Jodie Cantor and Megan Toohey's story. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm all right. I'm going to have to read it. I'm doing it. (laughs) I think you'll, I think, I don't think it'll be, I think you can handle it, Lucas. I have faith in you. Um, (laughs) I think it'll awaken you to, I mean, and I think most people are starting to understand this, but I think one of the main things I got from this book is that at the beginning of this book, Ronan Farrow is a guy who works in journalism, who has several male colleagues, um, that he respects as journalists in different in, from in different ways, and then by the end, he kind of realizes that like there's a lot of people around him that like he can't come to respect anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm putting words in his mouth. He doesn't say that ex- explicitly. <laughs> That's uh, maybe that I ca- came to like not respect throughout reading them as characters, um, but that like they all have like either murky past or they behaved shadily in the handling of this story you know yeah and um and that it's kind of like everywhere and i'm here i'll I'll finish my soapbox very quickly but (laughs) i think the biggest thing that a lot of us i hope would be taking away from this from this moment in history is that a lot of i think there's a lot of um people that tend to think that because of this weinstein story that um, and, and several other men that have been accused have all been, have mostly been in the entertainment industry, um, or like the journalism slash entertainment industry. Um, and people may think that that's an industry issue. And personally, I believe it's not an industry issue. I think it is an issue with people in power and that the reason we're hearing about these stories about these men in power is because they're famous men. And so it's newsworthy when someone who's a famous man commits mm-hmm. these crimes or abuse abuses his power. Where, whereas um, a person who lives in Indiana and runs a company like that's not making national news, you know, because that's not a newsworthy figure. Um, I believe that it's a system about I believe that this is an issue with power in our in our systems and not just one industry. And I'm interested to see how reporters like Ronan Farrow and Jody Cantor and Megan Tui can hopefully bring to light stories that are outside of the entertainment industry because I think that's where real progress will be made. So anyway, that's my soapbox, um, and that's what I'm feeling this week. That's awesome. I'm excited to, to check that out. Are you in or out? You were so Before we get started with Knives Out, let's decide if we are in or out on some movie trailers. Um, in this section, we talk about some movie trailers that have recently come out, and we decide whether we are in on them or out on them. So first, I want to start with a movie that just came, uh, a trailer that came out recently for the newest Jane Austen film, Emma. Who is this movie directed by, Lucas? I should pull that this, up. 
This is directed by um, Autumn DeWild. Um, both of the movies that we're actually talking about are first-time movies from music video directors, oh. which I absolutely love it when that happens. I yeah, feel like we too. got a lot of that in the 90s, um, and then there was a huge break, and we haven't really gotten in in a while. Um, so this is yeah Autumn, uh, Autumn DeWild, who is a um, director who's done a lot of uh, Riley, uh, Riley Keough, um, Rilo, Ke- Rilo, Rilo Kelly, Kelly, Rilo Kelly videos um as well as a bunch of beck music videos as well um so she's been around a while um but this is the first time she's actually gotten to make a movie and the cast is great anya taylor joy joshua connor johnny flynn who i absolutely love oh me too um bill nye um calem turner which i think it's very fun to have calem turner and joshua connor in the same movie (laughs) because i have a hard time telling them apart calem Um, i always said calem it might be calem who knows yeah I want, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear him pronounce it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, an, adapt- an adaptation of Emma, um, which is a very funny book. Um, there was, was it the 90s, early 2000s that Gwyneth Paltrow did a yes, adaptation? Yes. I of remember it? seeing that in college and very much disliking it. Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> and you know, here's the thing, Lucas, is that I really blame that movie because I used to think I hated period pieces. I think because of that movie. I think I saw that movie and thought, like, ugh, I hate period pieces. And then I, like, really had a grudge against them. And now, as, like, a more grown adult, I realize, like, (laughs) no, actually, period pieces rule. (laughs) I don't know. That was just a bad movie. Yes. Period pieces are great. Jane Austen period pieces are great. Just that Emma movie was terrible. Um, so I'm very glad to see a remake of it. I love the whole cast. I love the production design. This looks very um, flirtatious and fun, I guess, are the words that I would use for it. Like, yeah. it looks very poppy also. Yes. Um, I'm very excited to see what happens with this movie. Yeah, this trailer gets me so excited because it looks like it really knows how funny the source material is. And that it is, like, thriving on the humor of this story. Um if Pride and Prejudice thrives on, like, the grand romance, this movie is thriving on, like, like comedy and, like, a sharp wit. Mm-hmm. Um, at least this trailer makes it seem so. Uh, also, you know, what did this, this trailer reminded me a little bit of um, Thoroughbreds. The trailer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sensibility of it, the quick pace of it all, which I really love in a trailer. I... This is like an ideal version of a trailer to me where you don't see a lot about plot. If you need to figure out what the plot is, you can go look it up. But it sends you an idea of the tone. It gives you an idea of what the tone, the pace, mm-hmm. the the who's in it, what kind of characters they're kind of playing. There's so many quick shots in this. Like I really love the shot of Bill Nighy like jumping off a set of stairs. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, just Bill Nighy being in this movie at all is exciting. <laughs> yes. Um, and it closes on like a perfect funny shot. Mm-hmm. It's a it's one of those shots that like there's not really a joke being told. It's just a character like quality that's being examined, you know, yep. Yep. Um, that just is perfect. So, yeah, I'm very excited about this. Um, I'm very curious, Lucas, before we move on to the next trailer, did you ever see um the youtube series uh about like that was kind of a modern day reimagining of emma i did not know i i don't know that you would like it um 
I'm just, I was curious on your thoughts on it. Um, Hank Green, who's like a famous YouTuber, he produced a, he produced two um, a YouTube series that were modern day versions of one of Pride of Prejudice and then one of Emma. Um, and it was a ba- and where the main character of Emma and also on Pride and Prejudice, the main character of Elizabeth, they are YouTubers and you see the story told through like their YouTube videos. Um, I think it was really well produced. I may, I'm what I'm very, I didn't love it. And I'm very curious if I just don't like the sto- the character of Emma very much. <laughs> um, and so I'm very intrigued by this movie because it looks so good. If I will like it more than yeah. I have liked previous adaptations that I've yeah. seen. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Okay. All right, so our next movie or trailer that we want to discuss, which decide whether we're in or out on, is a trailer that just came out very recently called Antebellum, starring Janelle Monae. Um, who else? Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone. Um, what's, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, uh, Kier- Kiersey Clemens. Yeah, Kiersey Clemens. Um, Gabrielle Sidibe. Mm-hmm. This trailer I just recently watched, like very recently. And it is touted as um, from the makers of Get Out and Us. Yes. And it seems to be very much in the same vein as those two movies. Um, the I think the term that is being used right now is like a social thriller. Yeah. Lucas, are you in or out on this movie? I am very, uh, well, I say I'm very in on it. If it's the level of scary of Get Out... Uh, I I'm I'm in on it. If it is a true horror movie, which it looks a little bit like, um, I'm more out on it. So it depends on the level of scariness. But from the concept, from the trailer, I'm in on it. It looks awesome. It's from the I, I again music video directing team. Um, they've done a lot of uh, Jay Z music videos. Um, but basically, the from what I can tell, the plot is basically an author gets stuck in like a tra- time travel. Uh, situation mm-hmm. um, which we've seen a lot of time travel movies I don't think we've seen a time travel horror movie um, but this uh, this black author gets it looks like caught in um, the antebellum south um, which was a horrifying thing so yeah. I'm very excited about the concept I'm, I think it's it sounds really cool and I'm interested to see what they do with that um, but it all depends on how scary it is <laughs> right how about you I think I'm right where you are in that um if it is just a horror film like that's played up for scares, um, I don't know that I will be interested in seeing it. But if it is a mixture of horror and drama, um, <laughs> I can probably make myself handle it. Yeah, uh, and it, and it looks very intriguing for sure. Yeah. And Janelle another Monet, good trailer. Yes, another good trailer. Jan- Janelle Monet, I think, is like a very interesting actress, and I think she picks really interesting projects. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in what she works on. All right. All right. Well, are you ready to get your knives out? I am. Before my number's up, I'm going to fill my cup. I'm going to live, 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 until I One thing that I think anyone listening to this podcast should know is that at the end or the beginning of every year, we decide what our most anticipated movie of the year is. We each pick a movie. 
And this year, Lucas and I, we happened to pick the exact same movie, <laughs> which was this one, Knives Out. So I think it's safe to say, Lucas, that our expectations could not have been higher going into True. this going into this movie. <laughs> yes. the, the best way to view a film with the highest. I tried of to temper my expectations. I tried to go and just be like, maybe, you know, maybe it'll suck. It'll be fun. It won't matter. But yes, yeah. the highest of expectations. I think seeing the trailer for this movie helped temper those expectations. Not because it was a bad trailer. I think it's a great trailer. But I think it set the vibe of this is going to be a fun romp versus. Uh, best picture you know what i mean correct yeah yeah definitely yes um but guess what sometimes that is exactly what you want out of a movie so that is Mm -hmm. again not a negative thing so i want to start with you lucas how did you feel about knives out without well let's i will say this um (laughs) let's not do any spoilers and we'll save anything about the actual um, details of the plot for after the spoiler section yes so, so obviously this is a murder mystery, um, and so the events revolving that I'm just going to leave out okay. um, and really just talk about the actors and the setting and all of that stuff. Um, but this is a movie starring Daniel Craig, um, Ana de Armas. Yeah, that um, sounds right. Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, a huge cast of really great people. I won't go, go into everybody, but like those four, I think are really funny um, in ways that I hadn't seen them before. Like I know Michael Shannon can be funny. I know Tony Collette can be funny. Like he's Stanfield. Like all of those people I have seen in that way before. I think these are all things that I feel like are new for these people and not necessarily new for them to do, just new for me to see. So I, I had a ton of fun getting to see their comedy chops and just the way they, you know, interacted with everybody. I also think this movie is beautiful um, (laughs) in just like the set design, the colors. It's so bright and fun. It feels like um, it feels like a comic book, like and it feels like a mix of like comic book and clue, like like a very just kind of fun, um, gamey aspect of it. Um, Everybody's costumes are pretty outrageously colorful. And the house is very like gothic, like austere, like murder mystery house and so it, 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 it has that kind of quality of um i don't know pastiche but the whole, yeah the, just the whole time i was having so much fun that as soon as it was over i immediately just wanted to start it over again just watch it again immediately i'm in the exact same boat as you i cannot wait to go see this movie again i plan on seeing it again over this weekend um taking friends over thanksgiving to go see this movie um, I can't wait to see what this movie is like revisiting it for the second time, knowing where the plot goes, knowing what jokes to look out for. I think that'll be such a fun experience. Um, yeah, this movie was, even though you expect a murder mystery to like have a twist or like surprise you in certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was completely unexpected. Like, <laughs> the way this movie tells this story, I could never have predicted. As soon as it started, I was like, I, I'm so, like, thrown off kilter. Um, and so, that I love it for that. I will say, like, there was a moment, because I was so thrown off, that I was like, do I, wow, huh, this wasn't what I was expecting. Do I like this? <laughs> We'll see how it goes. I'm sure that they'll pull it out by the end. And of co- then, of course, they do. Um, because it was so unexpected, I really was, you know, like, thrown off balance for a little bit. But yeah. what keeps you on the course is that this movie is filled with so much great 
comedic moments. Like I laughed so hard throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the perfect blend of like actual jokes as well as just like really humorous character moments, um, turns of phrases, um, ways that people like speak to one another. There's so many like details in this movie that I found incredibly funny that aren't like explicit jokey moments. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You talked about the house and this is like a house of my dreams. Um, yeah. <laughs> so any movie that any movie that can like have an amazing house in it, I think like that you're already like got me into the movie, like whether the movies are good or not, you know, like I'm already kind of in because the house is so beautiful. <laughs> like Nancy Myers has made a whole career off of like, I mean, I think Nancy Myers movies are very good, but also yeah. like getting people in by like, here's an amazing house you can look at. Yeah. Um, so the set is incredible. There are so many exciting, like, ways that the camera moves and like yeah like you said beautiful cinematography i love that this movie feels like fast paced and moving and not like stodgy you know what i mean like i think that some murder mysteries have could fall into the trap of feeling a little claustrophobic you know we're all stuck in this one place we have to figure out who the murderer is Mm -hmm. um and this movie does not fall into that trap um which I really appreciate. And yeah, the performances were thrilling to me. Um, I think Anna de Armas like really shines as like in this movie in a way that we haven't, I don't think had a chance to see her um, like really flesh out a character in this mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, we've seen her like in much smaller roles, I think before. And I really liked getting her to see her like, have some, have some, have something to do for real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Chris Evans is always a delight. I love, I really just love watching him. I've watched some horrible movies that he has been in <laughs> because he is in them. Um, and then I, so I'm glad to watch him in great movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it is fun to watch Daniel Craig have fun. Um, yeah. So recently yeah. <laughs> I saw Charlie's Angels the, with Kristen Stewart and Oof. Kristen Stewart truly is like, looks like she's having the time of her life making that movie. Um, and it's like, this movie is, it's fun to watch an actor like have fun with a role. And when Daniel Craig gets to be Southern and goofy and like a caricature, he seems to be having like the time of his life. And I enjoy watching that. Can we talk about the accent? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you feel about it? Um, I felt good about it because. I think if this was like a drama, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I might have more opinions about it, but because his character feels like a character out of a, like a, a stereotypical murder mystery novel. Yeah. Um, the accent didn't bother me. That's how I felt about it too. I, like seeing it in the trailers and everything, it felt weird. It just felt so, um, such an out of left field character choice, but yeah, seeing it here, it felt like it actually fit. Um, not in a, like his character makes a lot of sense just in a, like, yeah. this is all, um, over the top, um, over the top. Yeah. Everything's yeah. over the top. And so this act, this super Southern accent on this guy, um, it, it worked for me. It didn't, yeah, it didn't feel weird at all. I think this movie does a really good job of 
making jokes about a lot of things that are part of this genre. You know what I mean? Um, or making things comedic mm-hmm. and calling itself out in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. like I'll, I'll, we can spoil this one because it's very clearly in the trailer. But with his accent, you know, the Chris Evans character like immediately at the start of the movie makes a like. Um, what is it? CSI KFC. CSI KFC (laughs) joke. You know what I mean? So like the movie is calling out how kind of ridiculous his accent is like right away. And I think the movie does that several times where it calls itself out for things like that in a way, in ways that like really make me laugh and don't feel like excuses, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of the, there are a lot of like the investigator tropes that happen, um, but are, I think are more fun because you have it amplified and mm-hmm. that they know, you know that they're um, kind of looking into this. And so um, like the, you know, he gets down on the floor and uses a magnifying glass on the carpet and like right. um, he, you know, uh, what is it? What is he, he like, uh, you know, gives a big speech about, you know, how he solved the whole thing that like stuff yeah. like that, where it's Lots just of like speeches. Lots yes. Of... <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so many speeches. Yeah. And just like, the you know, the questions that are asked when people are getting interrogated and like all of these are things that you have seen before. Yeah. But done they're here. They're done in these over the top ways that are really I think I think showing how much he loves this genre and also making fun of the <laughs> the, the things that we get to constantly right. see with movies in this genre. Yeah. Um, I also want to make sure we talk about um, the editing in this movie and mm-hmm. and the way the story is like spliced together because that was really fun for me. I love a movie that and and I don't want to say flashes back and forth because like that I think that evokes a different yeah. image in people's head yeah. than what I really mean. But like within one big section of the movie, um, not everything is perfectly sequential in a way that like I'm thinking of like the interrogation scene mm-hmm. t- towards the beginning um, in a way that I found like so fresh and, and exciting that because of the way this movie is edited, one, it keeps you on the audience member as you're t- on your toes, but it also keeps you constantly question- questioning like what is real in a way mm-hmm. that is not frustrating, that is like exciting because that can be very frustrating to be like, gosh, uh, well yeah. then, what's real, <laughs> you know? And yes. this way it kept you like happy about it. At least yes. for me, it did. Yeah. Yeah. I have not necessarily some qualms, but just some, um, some questions about it. Once we get into the spoilers, sure. But I think there are some areas of the plot that were um, a little unclear. I think for everybody I've talked to has come away with the same question, and I'm curious if you have also the oh, same question. I'm very so, curious too. So we'll I'm ready for that. Are you ready for spoilers? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's jump into spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember. You wanted this. Okay. Well, I want to know right away, Lucas, what is yes. the, the plot point that you're talking about? So everybody I've talked to who's seen this movie thought at the end that Christopher Plummer's character was not dead and that he would come back. Up until obviously the end, where they actually reveal kind of oh, okay. exactly what happened. But at the be- at the, I, I love that early on you see that you see exactly how he 
like that he did kill himself and that this is what happened but then you have all of this intrigue about you know who set it up and all of this other stuff um but i think because you got that that early people are like okay well then in that case he can't be dead like that's got to be the twist is that he's not dead and he will come back and this has all been a game to set up his kids kind of a thing um and everybody who has seen this movie that i've talked to has had that same thought um but which is not the case. So I, I don't necessarily n- think that's a bad thing. I think it's a red herring that's out there. Uh-huh. But it is something that I think everybody has has caught on to huh. um, and was wrong about. I don't I was curious if you had that thought in the movie. No, not at all. Um, really? Yeah, I think, you know, there's certain things that I think the movie does a good job of making it clear when something did really happen versus did this or didn't this really happen? You know what I mean? Like, there are moments, for example, when she is escaping from the house and she's driving down the road and she can't mm-hmm. remember, do I turn before yes. the elephant or after the elephant? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And she's playing both of those in her mind. That is a moment where you don't know what is real. And the, and the film knows you don't know what is real, right? Yeah. But then I think there's a lot of other scenes that make it clear, like, this is the real thing that happened, you know? Um, For instance, when we hear, when we see all the stories of, uh, you know, what is the grandfather's name? Um, Harlan. I was trying to remember that. Yeah, Harlan. Of Harlan telling each of his kids, like, I'm cutting you off, or I'm doing Mm -hmm. this, or I'm doing that. Um, Those, we understand those to be real, you know, even though the kids Mm -hmm. are telling us something different. Yeah. So when, so the the three things that made me like feel confident in the fact that he was dead were that one, we see him, you know, with his, we, we see a dead body, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, two, we see Anna de Armas' character, see him slit his throat, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yep. then also at the beginning, Jamie Lee Curtis's character talked about the funeral and said like, seeing him made it feel more real uh, yeah. referencing that like the body was there. Yeah. So like, to me, those three things, like I felt, I, I never questioned, I thought he was dead for sure the whole time. Yeah. See, for me, I think it was the one, the fact that he seemed such a master of his domain and so calm about every, about this, you know, his whole, sure. the whole planning phase and everything like this and him cutting off all of his kids like the night before. And like, yeah. to me, this seemed like a bigger plan for him yeah. and him having that conversation about not knowing the difference between a, um, a real knife and a, and a prop. Yeah. Um, like those conversations, obviously that makes sense later at the end of the movie, but right. And in that context, I was like, okay, this has got to be some kind of fake thing. Like there's got to be some kind of twist here that he's trying to, set up and especially once she got all the money in the house and that like it's it has I, I i thought this was some big lesson for the kids and it is some big lesson for the kids yeah but, but he did actually die so that i think that that was that's what was catching me up right um i didn't diminish my uh enjoyment of the movie at all it's just was a red herring that i was kind of caught on the entire movie sure i mean my i would say my experience in the movie was and the thing that was so unexpected for me is that very early on we, I guess, quote unquote, kind of see how he died. Yes. And who was at fault. <laughs> yep. Um, and we see what happened. And yeah. so you're just like, oh, well, we've solved the murder mystery part of it. Yeah. Um, and so now is the rest of the movie just watching her trying not to get caught, you know? Yeah. And that is not your typical murder mystery movie. No, yeah. Um, 
And so I, I would say a, a more typical version would be she's being framed for this and she's trying to prove that she didn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that I was like, huh, well, I'm kind of disappointed that we found out who the murderer is like <laughs> so early on, you know right. what I mean? Like that, yeah. I was like, I guess I trust that the ending is going to be good because I trust Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker, but it's kind of a bummer that like, we know who the murderer is like, yeah. um, yeah. And then, you know, and then we do get a reveal uh, that is that I think that I found very satisfying that the murder was technically caused by someone else, um, even though we know exactly how it played out. Um, Mm -hmm. There was still there was still a villain in it all. Um, Did you know it was going to be Chris Evans? (laughs) You know, I didn't um, until I think until like we were getting to the end where he was like, oh, go get me one family member. You know, like, yeah, I was like, oh, well, that's going to be Chris Evans. Um, But, you know, one thing that I thought throughout the film was, you know, I love Chris Evans. I love him so much (laughs) and I love seeing him in this movie. I think I found him very funny and magnetic and charming and, and in all the, all the ways he's supposed to be. Um, when the, when he gives her a ride in his car after the will reading, Mm -hmm. um, I immediately, before we even get to the table, you know, he just is offering her a ride. Um, I immediately thought, I was like, Oh, Ryan Johnson, you're so smart for casting Chris Evans as this character that we think is a douchebag, but is accidentally actually kind of a decent guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. he, he, everyone says he's like so much like his grandfather and his grandfather is obviously like decent. And, um, and he has this douchebag personality, but like <laughs> a heart of gold buried deep inside. And like who better to play that than Chris Evans? So I really bought into it, you know? Yeah. I yeah. really bought into him, like, wanting to help her and, like, wanting to, like, screw over his family and him, mm-hmm. like, being douchey, but, like, not, but ultimately having the right morals, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, in the grand scheme of things, not, like, mm-hmm. he probably is, like, sexist and, like, probably kind of, like, racist and, like, very, like, upper, upper class ways, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But that, like, when a push comes to shove, he's gonna do what's right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then to find, and then to have that, that faith I have in someone who's so lovable, um, twisted, I think was, like, the perfect, the perfect twist. Yep. I 100% agree. I feel like a lot of murder mysteries draw your eye to a certain person at different points in it to try and throw you off, to try and say, like, maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person. And they don't do that in this. There's never suspicion landed on someone, I think, because right off the bat, you know how he died. Right. And so it's more about trying to – not her trying to cover it up, but her trying to – not get caught, I guess. Um, and then, then trying to put some blame on someone else. And so it really does feel like a big twist and it feels like, um, it feels very surprising when you find out that it's him behind this the whole time. Yeah. I think one of the most surprising parts of that twist was, um, when Daniel Craig's character comes to the realization and tells Anna de Armas's character that she didn't give Harlan the morphine that because she's a good nurse, she would have noticed the difference in the viscosity of pulling the Mm -hmm. syringe. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like that I think is the biggest thing that like he, that he, that she didn't do it, that she didn't do anything wrong technically. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I, I think that was, that was quite a surprise. Um, I also want to say that like that scene where she does give him the wrong medicine yes. and is panicked and is like, mm-hmm. you're about to die in 10 minutes and he's super calm and yeah. he is, and he comes up with a plan that was thrilling. Oh yeah. Just the idea of these two people who care about each other being upstairs, not, you know, like in a remote upstairs room (laughs) in the country far away. And you have 10 minutes to live. If you have 10 minutes to live, what do you do with that 10 minutes? You know? Um, and yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and, and, and really, really well acted. Um, I thought she really shine, shine, shown, shown, shown in that yeah. scene. Definitely. Yeah. Um. What other big things? Oh, okay. I think one of the best character choices that they made in this movie is um what they did with the actress. I think her name is Catherine Lang. Catherine Langford. Langford. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What they did with her character, I think, really made the movie for me. <laughs> She's she yeah, she was great in this. She's great in this. Just having the character that like is outwardly progressive and is like the friend to the like immigrant the help. <laughs> help. Yes. Yeah. And that ultimately puts her own interest above that person. Like when push mm-hmm. comes to shove. Um I thought it was very smart. Yeah, definitely. I think um, getting to see like the politics of, of all of these characters was really fun. I yeah. mean, obviously there are some like right on the nose things that sure. um, were kind of going on there, um, which I wasn't upset about. It just is. But then there are also some like really nuanced things like the way I, I love the way that um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Don Johnson's character treat uh, Chris Evans character um, it's a very just like rich parent situation mm-hmm. where they like they're really mad at them and him and they hate him but they're not gonna like not give him money and stuff like right. that like <laughs> like it's just like they're like and that's the whole dysfunctionality of the family and then um, the the little Nazi boy that everybody talks about yeah <laughs> it's just it's so funny and yet very like Correct. Like, it, like these are all absolutely realistic things that you can imagine happening in a family like this. Right. Um, and things that you really haven't seen before on, on, on camera. So. Well, and I thought it was interesting how you have Tony Collette and her daughter as, like, the progressive, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, yes. family members. Yes. And who, like, push comes to shove, just really still care about their money. Um, yeah. Then you have Walt and his family, which are the, like, intense, like, like, racist conservative characters um and then in the middle you have don johnson and um jamie lee curtis um and how they're kind of like a split like don johnson is still like he he gives the whole like um people are coming here illegally and and that's a legal speech um yeah while (laughs) thinking he's still being like super not not super racist you know what i mean like he thinks he's on the right path in that conversation. Yes. Um, One of my favorite shots is as he's talking, he's just like handing the plate to. Yes. yes, Absolutely. uh, Yeah. That is a genius moment. Um, So good. And, and and then you have Jamie Lee Curtis who like knows better than to say it out loud or to like Mm -hmm. include Ana de Armas's character in the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. She's a little bit more polite. 
yeah. but probably still has like a lot of similar opinions. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, and then um, the the thing that I think made my audience laugh so hard is the ongoing joke that nobody knows what country she's actually from. Yes, same. I was shocked that everybody caught that every time it got it got brought up because yeah. it's not like a big joke every right. time. It's just someone telling where she's from. Yeah. And everyone laughed so hard in my theater yeah. at every one of those. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. I think when, when, when it started happening, I because most of them are from Don Johnson. Um, yeah. Because he kind of uh, no, it's from it's from a different character every time. Yeah, but he does it multiple times. Does he? Yeah. Oh, I thought he. Did. I thought it was different. I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I think maybe more than one character does, but he does it more more than once. Um, because in the I in, know him, Chris Evans, and uh, Michael Shannon all do it. Yeah, I should know that he in the interview section he says something different mm-hmm. than Jamie Lee Curtis, which is like the joke. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then like later on, he says a different one. Um, and I think when it first started, when he first says something different than Jamie Lee Curtis, I mm-hmm. assumed Jamie Lee Curtis is correct. And this right. guy is like an idiot. He doesn't know. Yeah. And then when it kept happening, you're like, oh, maybe even Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Anna de Armas is from Cuba. And so I'm very curious because at, at first I, I, I kind of thought the same. I forget which one comes first. What, where, where Jamie Lee Curtis says she she's says from. Ecuador. She says Ecuador. So yeah. I was I was on that same boat of just like Jamie Lee Curtis is right and right. Don Johnson is wrong. And so I was curious about how they were playing it with her family. Yeah. Because I was, I, was, I was like, they're not like, they're not doing anything spe- specifically like Ecuadorian. But then I realized, oh, that's the joke is that no one actually knows. Yeah. And, and they don't care. Right. <laughs> right. So. Um, I also was very interested in the way multiple people told her we wish you could have been at the funeral but i was outvoted yep and (laughs) like jamie lee curtis said that to her and then walt Mm -hmm. said it to her right yeah so i think at first i kept trying to be like okay well then who voted what you know like what were the votes and then i came to realize like oh no like they all agreed that she wasn't going to be at the funeral and then they just like that's what they said to her like as an excuse Yeah. <laughs> I felt like this movie I had to like do a lot of like, oh, wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> like taking things at face value from characters I shouldn't have taken anything face value from. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lesson I had to keep learning throughout the movie. Yes, definitely. I also loved at the beginning you get these flashbacks and all the I, I okay, first off, all the flashbacks are true. And I really like that um, because it does give you, like you said before, this it gives you this sense of reality of like, all right, this is what happened. This is what happened. Yeah. But you see these flashbacks in their context later. Right. And it, and it, it I love those. So the shots of, because um, at the beginning he asks her about like, you know, does the family like you, blah, blah, blah. Or he asked them as well. And you get these shots of like them, you know, waving her over and welcoming her in and um, giving her hugs and all of this stuff. Right. And then you see those in context and it's waving her over to talk about her, you know, immigrant mother and um, like yeah. all of the, and you know, these hugs where they're, you know, consoling her about not being at the funeral when they didn't want her at the funeral. Right. And like, so all of these things that are, are true. And yet with context, you get to see kind of what, what, what their relationship is actually like. I really loved all those moments. Yeah. There was only one point in the movie. I guess there was two points where you're kind of like, oh, what was real? You know? And mm-hmm. that was, uh, like we talked about, the her with the elephant um, on the on the road. Um, yep. And then the other was how 
when Jamie Lee Curtis told the story, it was her and her husband blowing out the candles at the head of the table. Yes. And then yes. Walt, and the, when he Walt tells the story, it's him and his wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was very also very funny and also yeah. a moment of like wait oh so it's it depends on who's telling the story is what's real yeah, yeah. the perspective <laughs> yeah did you have any qualms with this movie at all? i think my original qualm was finding out how the murder happened so early on yeah. um but then because it ended in a, a completely different way i it's it's a qualm i don't i no longer have mm-hmm. um but yeah, I think that was the only one that I had and that was throughout the movie. Um, again, there was just so many jokes, so many funny, funny moments. Um, every Daniel Craig, like pontificating speech, uh, really made me laugh. The whole mm-hmm. donut of it all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it felt, uh, there were a lot of Edgar Wright-esque comedy moments yes. where it just felt very funny and Absolutely. very cheesy in a good way. Um so, uh, yeah, it was very fun to see stuff like that in a movie like this. <laughs> right. Um, the stuff with the dogs, like, bringing evidence mm-hmm. over. Like, yes. th- those are just <laughs> gags that, like, really got me. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that, like, during at the be- during the movie, you're kind of like, oh, this detective actually isn't all that great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we realize at the end that like he is, you know, and he, he was on to her the whole time. And, um, I think also the reveal early on in the film where there's a zoom in of the speck of blood was so cool. Um, and so then like the audience just has to sit with that the whole movie. Yeah. Um, cause she keeps wearing those shoes right? her one pair of shoes. Right. I did love, her outfits like yes. the, the outfits she had were great yeah um with those shoes and the sweaters everybody's sweaters were great right right <laughs> but yeah i yeah just the costuming in in particular for her i think was a perfect character choice and i think some of that i think is because i feel like everything i've seen her in before she has always been like glammed up um like super glammed up and in this where she, it truly is she is the, the you know the lowest person on the totem pole right um it's it's just I don't know. We we get to see her as an actual character here, which we haven't before. So right. it is great. It is great. Talk, speaking but. of costumes, I really loved um, how Chris Evans' sweater had a hole in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Just kind of a ratty, um, nice sweater. It was an incredibly kind of, nice sweater that he's yeah. like wearing, that he's like, you know, wearing out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not a rich person, but I have heard like that that is a, a certain type of rich person trait of like a certain like new England kind of mm-hmm. um, rich person trait is like the idea that like you buy really nice things and then you wear them for like a really long time. Yeah. Um, I don't know that. So I'm speaking from something I've overheard yeah. uh, <laughs> as a new England rich person. I'll, I'll, I'll back. That oh, up, thank you so, for that. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I need to tell you the joke that I think I laugh quite the hardest at. Oh yeah. Is, when Chris Evans said our ancestral home. Oh my gosh. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis said that. Jamie Lee Curtis said that. Did she? I think so. Yeah. No. Was it? Was it? It was Chris Evans. Was it Chris Evans? Yeah. Because it was Chris Evans oh. in, at the end when it was just no, them right. in the room. You're right. You're right. And Daniel Craig reveals like he bought this from a Pakistani guy in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Which is so like I, I throughout it, you just get this theme of like um, deserved 
uh, wealth. Right. Like you, like everybody feels like they. The phrase it and "worked they... hard" is so is yeah. used so many oh, times. Yes. They that's yeah. like why they like um, Anna Armas's character because she she's a yeah. hard worker. She's a hard worker. Yes. <laughs> and and everybody has this mentality of like I've earned what I have, and the, and yet they also have the mentality of this is ours as a family because it's always been ours as a family, and yet the father is this mystery writer who was not rich and you know wrote all these novels and became rich but i i think like didn't really raise his family um like it like it wasn't this he wasn't this as they were growing up in my mind right like yeah yeah he bought this home in the 80s like they were all adults at that point yeah (laughs) Like, like and so like the kids kids have grown up very rich but the kids also i mean they also grew up probably wealthy but not like to this extent and yet they have this um they have this mentality of I deserve this, I earned this, I did this, um, this should be all mine, and this is ours, and they, just the way they come together and yet com- continue to fight over all of this, um, I found so realistic. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that we need to talk no. about because there's so many juicy little details throughout this movie. Um, I I really I really loved. Every moment of it. I think this movie is definitely going to be in my top 10 of the year. Um, yeah, definitely. It's just, it is one of those movies that I loved every moment watching, and I cannot wait to watch it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if you can see with people, that is definitely the way to do it. It's just such a fun movie, and I feel like we get so few fun movies. Right. These days. Yeah, <laughs> Like, absolutely. we get really good movies. Of course. But movies that are just a ton of fun right movies that can be fun and at the same time like visually interesting and like well written and you know that can be fun and great pieces of cinema you know what i mean yeah absolutely um that they're not just like an r-rated funny like seth rogan comedy which i like you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a place for everything yep (laughs) Wonderful. Well, let's tell people where they can find us online. Yes, you can find me everywhere online at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Omstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 